0: As we were singing that song, Send Your Rain, O Lord upon the earth. Send your rain. Allow it to refresh. I was reminded this week, Thursday. Everyone remember how hot and humid it was Thursday? And yeah, Karen remembers. I was down the field in the tractor mowing and it was extremely hot. Plus I had the heat of the tractor coming back. And I could see the storm a brewing. I knew it was I knew it was gonna rain, but I thought I'm just gonna keep right on mowing until it does. Kept right on a mowing. And the Lord just opened the windows and the rain just dumped out of the heavens. And I was like, thank you, Lord. It was so refreshing. You know, it refreshed this natural body. But we want Him to send His rain to refresh us spiritually, don't we? Amen? Amen. You know, that felt so good. And it feels so good for God to send His rain and refresh us spiritually and emotionally. Send His Holy Spirit. Let it rain down upon us. Amen? Amen? Amen. And I've called on Pastor Gary to open in prayer this morning.
1: How awesome is your dwelling place, O God. And you are an awesome God. You reign from heaven and earth. And we thank you for your reign. Not just the raindrops, but your reign, your kingdom, your will be done. And how awesome it is to speak for you, Lord. And just give our pastor that sense of awesomeness that your hand is upon him. And give us that sense of awesomeness, too, as we open up our ears, not just our, our audible hearing, but our hearts to hear you, Lord. What you have to say to us, that we will be changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before Thee, lost in wonder, love and praise.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning my message is titled, Unity, One Simple Word. But what an amazing thing, if we could have unity in the church. And that's what Paul is talking about this morning. So returning to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. As I pondered that this week and reading and thinking, Paul is calling on the church to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What is our walk? That is what people see. That is the life that we live before those that God has placed around us. They watch how we walk. They watch the things we do, the things we say. They watch who we are. It is what you do. That is your walk. We are to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called to walk. Worthy of the calling which God has called us to walk. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. God is in you all. Amen. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high... He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, He ascended, what does it mean but that He also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that He might fill all things. And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. May God add His blessing. Oh, 14. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hey, there's more on the next page. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That is what every part is to do. Every part is to do its share To cause growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, as I looked at that part about joining and knitting together, unity. I think of the women in the the knitting group. You know that some of these women will do amazing things with the yarn, and then they they take this. Yeah, Karen's saying, not me. But you know, think about it. They take this yarn. In many different colors and they get those needles out and they go to town and they do amazing thing with those needles. And they'll knit together socks and gloves and hats and or blankets or whatever in all different colors. But that knitting, them knitting needles unites it, forms it all together, joins it all together. Though many different colors are joined together in unity. We need God to knit us together. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to get those needles out and knit us together. Join us together so that we are one in Him to cause growth in the body. You know, last Sabbath's message on standing against the enemy, making sure that we gear up, that we put on the armor of God, that we stand against Satan, we stand against the demons, we call on the heavenly forces, God's heavenly forces to do battle. And I believe today's message is just as important for the church. Because I believe that the message of unity, if we are united, look at what we can do standing against the enemy. Look at what twelve men did. Imagine if the church is united to stand against the enemy, how much more powerful we could be. You know, I'm going to try to paint a hypothetical picture for you this morning. I just... My own mind, the Lord gave me this. I know it's nothing great and elaborate, but I want you to envision in a classroom of high schoolers. We know that in high school that oftentimes you have guys that, you know, they get all puffed up, they're so proud, and they become a bully, right? So imagine, if you will, they're in a classroom, That there's 20 students in there. The teacher has to leave to go to the office, Gotta, has to go take care of something with the principal, and while the teacher is gone, The bully gets up and he starts tormenting, who do they normally torment? The most scrawny guy, the guy with the glasses, got his pen pen organizer there, you know, in his pocket. Well, this bully starts picking on him, me, right, I was the little scrawny guy. So the bullies are picking on him. So what if the other 18 students in that classroom just sit there either ignoring or maybe even giggling about what's going on? Well, he's just going to keep tormenting and tormenting and tormenting that young man until the teacher comes back, right? We know that's what's going to happen. But what if, what if those other 18 students get up out of their chairs and they go over there and get between that bully and that young man? What are they going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to go back, he's going to put his tail between his legs and go back to his seat and sit down and behave himself. Why? Because they united against him. My friends, there it is. If the church... If the church would unite together against the enemy, how much more powerful would we Amen. be? Right. How much more powerful? He would, the, the devil would be backing down, wouldn't he? How important is unity in the church? I found an old Peanuts cartoon. And in it, Lucy demanded that Linus would change the TV channel threatening him with her fist if he didn't. What makes you think that you can walk right in here and take over, asked Linus. These five fingers, said Lucy, individually they are nothing, but when I curl them together in one single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want, asked Linus. And as he walked away, he's looking at his hand saying, why can't you guys get together like that? Right? Why can't you guys get together like that? From Charles Schultz. You know, as I looking at unity, I thought, what does wonder what Merriam Webster says about unity? How would Merriam Webster define it? So I looked it up. It is the quality or state of not being multiple but oneness. It is a condition of harmony being in one accord. It is continuity without deviation or change, as in purpose or action, is what it causes. So the church would not change. They would not deviate from their purpose. And what is the purpose of the church? To go and make disciples of many nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That We would not deviate from that plan. It is the quality or state of being made one is a combination or ordering of parts in a literary or artistic production that constitutes a whole or promotes an undivided total effect. There are many parts to the body of Christ, but we are ordered, we are put in order. God has placed us in order and each to do their part. Amen? Amen. You know, we could look at any church, any Christian church in the United States, and you will see a diverse group of people, will you not? You will see people with a extremely high level of education. Some will have a doctorate or master's degree, many different levels of education. Some will have a limited amount of education. Some will have no education. You will find many different professions within any given church. You could go in one little church and you could find doctors or lawyers or mechanics, or janitors, housewives, the most important housewives. You can find those that don't know what they want to do yet. Still trying to figure it out. You can find many different personalities within any given church. You can find many different social standings within a church. I think you see what I mean. But God loves diversity. He did not call us to be the same but to be united. We are each unique, created in God's image, right? But we are called to humble ourselves. It says, With all lowliness, with all gentleness, be long-suffering with one another. Even in our diversity, be long-suffering with one another. Bearing with one another in love. Amen. In love. Lowliness is not seen as a virtue in today's society. Most today prize assertiveness rather than lowliness. Though as Christians we are called to imitate Christ who humbled himself. Philippians 2, 5-8 says, "...let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The unity, my friends, that Paul speaks of is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This cannot be accomplished in the natural, but only through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit upon the hearts of men and women. We cannot accomplish it in the natural. I found a tremendous example of this, of what the Spirit can do. During World War II, Hitler commanded that all religious groups be united so that he could control them among the brethren assemblies, half complied with his order and the other half refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time than those who did not, because they faced harsh harsh persecution. And in almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in the concentration camp. When the war was finally over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the two groups. And much tension ensued. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. So leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat. And for several days, each person spent time in prayer, examining their own hearts in the light of Christ's commands. Then they came together. And Francis Schaeffer, who told this incident, asked a friend who was there, What did you do then? He said, we were just one. He replied, as they confessed their hostilities and bitterness to God and yielded to His control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. And love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. Friends, when love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. All they had to do was confess their own hostilities and their bitterness to God. Yield it to God. And let the Holy Spirit work that miraculous unifying power in the church. You know, I believe that we could all agree that we would love to see some unity among our leaders in our nation today, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we love this? Well, many would like to see some unity in our nation would like to see peace would like to see calmness in our cities and neighborhoods across our nation because there's plenty of the opposite going on in our nation today it seems like our leaders cannot agree on anything it seems that our cities many of them have been left in shambles but what we have to understand from our scripture today that you know Paul didn't send this letter out to the leaders of his day he didn't send it to the the, the Roman leaders or the, the governors or the mayors, He didn't send it to them. He sent this letter to the church. Amen. Friends, that's what this message is about. It's about unity in the church. It's not for our nation, for the society, but it's for the church. The church of Ephesus and believers everywhere. That's who this message is for. That we would be united in the church. God's family would be united. He's encouraging them, all those who believe, to be gentle, to be long-suffering, to seek unity within the church. There's another thing that ties last week's message about spiritual warfare and today's message about unity together. First, we rebuke the blindness of unbelievers, that they might be saved. Then, we teach them about unity. First, we show them Christ. We stand against the devil. We pray that, that blindness is gone. Then we can teach them about unity. And we must share these couple of verses with them. I'm going to reread. That there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, not many, but one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism. There is one God and Father to all, or of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The body that he mentions here again is the church. If you read those verses aloud, where would you place the emphasis? Would you place the emphasis on the body, spirit, Lord, faith, baptism? The emphasis, my friends, should be placed on the one. On one. One body. One spirit. One Lord one faith, one baptism. That is where the emphasis needs to be be placed. Deuteronomy 6, 4-6 through 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. The Lord is one, friends. The Lord is one. Let's look to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There was unity. At, right at the beginning, at the birth of the church, at the coming of the Holy Spirit, there was unity. They were with one accord. They were of the same mind. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Ephesians 4 said that there is one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. All in one accord. You know... The all talked of in Acts chapter 2 is not just the 12. It's not just the 12 apostles, but most likely it includes the 120. The 120 mentioned in Acts 1 says, In those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, and altogether the number of the names was about 120. They continued in prayer. They continued in supplication. They continued in agreement, seeking the Lord, waiting on the coming of the Holy Spirit. They was of the same mind. No one sought his own, but they sought the coming of the Spirit and to do God's will and God's plans and God's purposes. Romans twelve three through 8 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith for as we have many members in one body but all the members do do not yeah but all the members do not have the same function so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Operate in your gift. Don't seek that which you don't have, what others have. Operate in the calling which God has called you to operate in. Don't be jealous or envious of what anyone else has. I found another story about John Wesley. In being much concerned about the rise of denominations in the church, John Wesley shared a dream that he had had. And in the dream, he was ushered to the gates of hell. And there he asked, Are there any Presbyterians here? Yes, the reply came. Are there any Baptists here? Again, yes, there are. Are there Episcopalians? Yes. Are there Methodists? Yes. Are there Catholics? Yes, they're here. Are there Church of God? Yes, they're here. Each time the answer was yes. And he became very distressed. But then he was ushered to the gates of heaven. And there he asked the same question. Are there any Presbyterians here? No. Are there any Baptists here? No. No. Are there any Episcopalians here? No. Are there any Catholics here? No. Well then, who's inside? The answer came, Christians. Amen. Christians are here. Friends, that's all that is there. Christians. There won't be Baptists. won't be Methodists. But there will be Christians. And that reminds me, if we went and sat down and talked with the priest at Holy Cross Episcopal Church when we were seeking to rent that facility from them. And uh, Father Roland said, when I think of the church, he says, I think that God looks down. He doesn't see Episcopalians and Baptists or Methodists. He sees sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. My friends, that's what God sees. Sons and daughters. United. We are not to allow our denominational name tags to separate us, but we are to allow our Christian faith to unite us, that we are one body in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 10 says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, Sosthenes, I'm sure I didn't say that right, I'm having a hard time talking this morning, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that so vital right there? To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. I don't care what your denominational name tag is. But those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him who in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you came short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He will whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Let me repeat that. Now I plead with you, brethren, so Paul's pleading with them. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists. But my friends, again, it is all for the equipping of the saints. It is for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen till we all come together in the unity of the faith. You know, last week, again, as I was speaking about the spiritual armor, I said we are not to just put that armor on, just get all dressed up to look good, are we? Amen. No. We are to put it on and get involved in the battle. Amen. Well, there's a similar caution here, Friends. He did not appoint apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and all that so they could just look good in their great talent, did He? He appointed them with these gifts for the purpose of building the church. Building the church. Edifying the body of Christ. We are to be the builders, joining and knitting together. Get those needles out and get to work, right? Right? Start joining and knitting the body together. That is what we are called to do. Build the church. Grow the church. Build the church. And unite the church. Because there is one church. One body. One Lord. One God. One faith. One baptism. And praise God we can be part of that. All who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be united in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.